0: Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where host Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor. My name is Nick Hill. I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Foch, every Tuesday and Friday. We're here talking to you about real estate, and we are so happy to have you with us. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about a few real estate basics. We're actually going to be doing a kind of back to the basics episode. And this is an episode by request. And we're going to cover the first three things that you need to become a real estate investor, which is to get a budget and a mortgage pre-approval. Find a market that fits that budget and establish your return metrics and find a good property in that market. Dan, what else are we talking about? And (laughs) how are
0: you, my friend? Yeah, before we do that, um, I would, uh, there's a couple of things i want to mention but i also want to ask what you're wearing are you wearing are you wearing like a like a silk shawl right now like what is, <laughs> what is that or do you have a blanket over you to stay warm we were on video before this you had to bring you had to bring this up. well on, i didn't on the realize plan. like I, I genuinely didn't realize until just now that you were wearing something shiny and large I've, and weird I'm, I'm going for a game of thrones look here viking yeah, you to you
1: see it look, look very royal <laughs> yeah no it's a uh you know our pod father has always told us that if you're in a room with not a lot of materials, that a blanket will help with the sound. So not only am I staying warm, I am sounding
0: better. Sounds and <laughs> <I> look, <hope. laughs> sounds and looks good. I love it. Um, okay, so before we get started, we're gonna do this new section. We 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 kind of teased it before, but uh, just halves and once, really quickly. Um, and these are all deals that we verified using Landlord.io, um, who we're doing a seminar with on the 15th, by the way, if you want to attend that. Um Nick and I will be posting about that on our social media pages. We're just gonna like analyze some deals, show people how to use the platform, etc. Um, so we have an opportunity for a rent to own in Hamilton or a 0% down payment deal uh in Hamilton if somebody's interested in that. We also have a Toronto duplex from a listener and Airbnb. It's currently being run as an Airbnb and it would be Available at a 6% cap rate, and that's within the confines of what's allowed within Toronto Airbnb rules, so under 180 days, and he's using it as a medium-term rental right now, waiting for the uh, updated license from the city. He's willing to vendor take back up to 80%, maybe even higher than that, depending on price. Um, and that's 6% cap rate at $1.3 million for this duplex in, in Toronto. Um, we also have a purchaser who wants hotel sites in tertiary markets in Canada, 2 to 3 acres. Um, very, very big name, if I were to tell you. Uh, so if you know any of those, send us a message and, you know, we'd be happy to, to try and get a deal going with you. We, we want to do deals with our listeners. That's like our goal in life, honestly. <laughs> so, um, while we're talking about listeners and all this coast to coast stuff, uh, we probably should mention the meetups. There's a link in the show notes. It's on meetup.com. 400 members now coast to coast, which is really cool. We have groups in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, the GTA, Halifax and St. John's. Our Edmonton meetup is March 23rd. It's going to be a panel event. Um, Calgary Meetup just happened first Thursday of every month with Cash and Homes and Calvert Home Mortgage, a MIC, or mortgage investment company that specializes in investors and flippers. They do mortgages for investors and flippers. Super cool company. They literally have a Burr mortgage. Check them out. Um, and we will be in Vancouver in the first week of April. To interview. Are we finally saying the name? Well, let's we're talk about it. Let's talk about it. We're, we're going to be interviewing Chip Wilson, who I don't think he's done an interview about his real estate portfolio yet. So we're going to be interviewing Chip Wilson for the show. Um, so give us a shout if you're in the Vancouver market. We're going to do a meetup there as well. We're just trying to finalize some logistics. It'll probably be a smaller thing, maybe like a little boardroom round table. Just want to do a little meet and greet with listeners and just talk about real estate. Um, so check out the meetup link in the in the show notes and, and make sure we, we want to meet all of our listeners and we want to build a community around this podcast. So, so let's let's get that going. What else, Nick?
1: Love it. Yeah, just, just a piece on Vancouver. I mean, super stoked too, to get out there and interview Chip Wilson. Not only did the man revolutionize pants for both men and women, but he owns a cool few billion in real estate. So very excited to go. Speak with him and his executive board of directors that sit on the real estate uh, side of the business. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we hope to see everyone out in Vancouver if you can make it. Still figuring out the event um, venue. We we ha- ran some last minute challenges, but uh, looking forward to seeing everyone out there. I'm going to read a quick review here. So we start the episode off all warm and fuzzy as we like to do, Dan, especially with my blanket on from the Game of Thrones theme here. Amazing show. Five stars. I love this podcast. It's filled with great guests who share a unique perspective on real estate and how they have become successful.
0: I don't know who's successful on this podcast, Nick.
1: They must be talking (laughs) about you. Come on, don't do that. Nick and Dan are great hosts who are prepared, entertaining, and keep conversations going. That sounds a bit like us. These guys Is this one of those
0: reviews that you paid for?
1: (laughs) I actually got an email saying we'll write you a hundred five star reviews, and I just wrote back no thank you. Um, we prefer to get those on our own. We work hard for those reviews and they mean a lot. These guys have lots of knowledge. I really like
0: how you guys reference other episodes to go back to and listen to and get a deeper understanding. Well done. It's actually a great piece of feedback to be honest. We should maybe do an episode like I feel like we have enough content out now where, you know, like the Twitter guys like uh duke of dirt and like real estate ranger they do like the thread of threads it's like here are all of my best threads i feel like we maybe go back and like review some of our own and be like oh yeah like a roundup here's like all of our favorite episodes so far that's actually a great idea yeah right like summarize them and point people because i feel like we get like we've doubled our audience since like our we had like this kind of like core group and then now it's like been slowly growing so it's probably a lot of new people that haven't listened to a lot of our older stuff so anyway why don't we get into today's episode and we will get to that one in the future, hopefully. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a simple episode, but we, we cover some basic steps, but there is some good granular stuff for all of you in steps two and three for, you know, for those more experienced investors that are looking for a little bit of an edge, especially in this, you know, competitive and very weird market that we're seeing right now. And sometimes it's good to keep things simple anyway, especially in a bear market. Even if you're an experienced inv- investor, we almost always need to reconfigure our thinking in these weird moments. So let's jump into today's episode, the first three things you need to do to become a real estate investor.
1: Numero uno is get a mortgage pre-approval. Now, what is a mortgage pre-approval, you might ask? Well, when shopping for a mortgage, you can compare options offered by different lenders. Mortgage lenders have a process which may allow you to know the maximum amount of a mortgage you could qualify for, Estimate your mortgage payments, whether monthly or biweekly, and lock in an interest rate for 60 to up to 130 days, depending on the lender. The mortgage pre-approval process may be divided into various steps. It also may be called a mortgage pre-qualification or a mortgage pre-authorization. Different lenders have different definitions and the criteria for each step that they offer. Now, during this process, the lender looks at your finances to find out the maximum amount they may lend you and at what interest rate. They ask for your personal information, various documents, and will eventually run a credit check either immediately or when you are about to purchase. Now, this process does not guarantee your approval for a mortgage, but it's helpful to get. So... You can go to your bank and this is usually the first step for most people and, and likely the easiest. You're familiar with the bank. You've got a savings and a checkings account there. Maybe you already own a primary residence and you're going to just seek out that first investment property.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because like most people bank with the big six bank and they, they, these people look at your, they, they see your financials at all times and they're always trying to sell you financial products. Like they're always, they're a land and expand sales. Model. So they have you as a customer. They're going to try and give you something else. They're already underwriting you. Like you usually can go to them and get something. And I did say the word that you want to uh, land and expand. I like that. that, I think that's like a tech. I think that's like a SaaS thing, right? Like in the SaaS world, like it's like they'll sell you a piece of tech and then they'll try and expand off of it. Land Mm -hmm. and expand sale. I don't know. I heard it. I found it somewhere along the way. I like it. Yes. And you did
1: drop a phrase that I was going to talk about right now, which is the big six. And that's a term that I find a little ominous almost. Now, Dan, I want to get your opinion on as to why, but if you follow Canada's financial sector or you're informed, you may have heard that term before, the big six. And this is commonly used to describe Canada's six largest financial institutions. And they often have a national label. Well, they have a national and often an international presence. And, you know, it almost reminds me of the New York mafia you know the five families kind of thing we got the
0: big it's, six <laughs> the five families it's loosely comparable to be honest uh, like I mean not exactly. like not <laughs> not criminally but like you know I mean you hear about like oligarchs in in Russia and some of these like more uh socialistic economies in Canada we have Oligopolistic markets. We have oligopolistic economies. We have five telcos. We have six banks. You know, like you, you, you want, you want, co- and it doesn't encourage competition. Like you want to go to, you don't like Bell, you go to Rogers and get the same. I'm not going to describe yeah, the so yeah. We don't have to put an explicit tag on the, yeah. uh, on the show here. Yeah, everyone can, uh, can relate, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, but this is what like oligop- oligopolistic economies that don't encourage companies to have competitive advantage over one another. They deliver pretty bad service offering. To one another, And so you're starting to get like in the US, you were seeing 2000 financial institutions. You see a lot of competition between institutions. All of these banks pretty much offer the same thing. There's one lender that stands out to me that has horrible rates by comparison to the rest of them. Um, but they typically will sharpen their pencil for existing clients. So anyway, um, I, I think that that kind of covers everything. Let's just go through who those are, by the way. And, and big six sort of means and a lot you'll often hear in the development community, a lot of people call these SCED A banks or Schedule A banks or Schedule 1 banks. These are banks that are regulated by the Bank Act. They're chartered banks in Canada. Yeah, well said, Dan. The list starts off with the Toronto
1: Dominion Bank, better known as TD Bank, which was founded in 1855 as the Bank of Toronto, still headquartered in the center of the universe, and it's got an annual revenue in 2022 of $49.03 billion. A couple dollars there. A
0: couple bucks. Uh, a couple bucks. Next on the list is Royal Bank of Canada or RBC. Uh, 1869, they were founded. Headquartered in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Almost like some financial sector stuff goes on there. Ha- and uh, annual revenues just shy of TD uh, coming in at $48.98 billion. Bank of M- Montreal is next, or as you may know it, BMO.
1: Founded in 1817, headquartered in Montreal, Quebec, uh, also headquartered in Toronto and offices across the country with an annual revenue in
0: 2022 of $33.71 Canadian dollars. Number four, the Bank of Nova Scotia, 1832. They were founded, headquartered not in Nova Scotia, a bit of a bird dog there. That's kind of a dick Mm. move, not going to lie. Toronto, Ontario, (laughs) Canada is where Scotiabank is headquartered, $31.41 billion annual revenue in 2022. Savage. That's a ton of money. Tons. Numero five, the Canadian
1: Imperial Bank of Commerce, or as you probably know it, CIBC. In 1961, it was merger with the Canadian Bank of Commerce and the Imperial Bank of Canada to create CIBC that we know today, headquartered as well in Toronto, with a cool annual revenue of $21.83
0: billion. I think they have the best name, like the like the best long version of their it, name. It sounds badass like it for sounds sure. Very, it's very regal, yeah. Yeah, uh, like you get like a like a like a nice like stamp on your on your documents or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. as a, the National Bank of Canada is last on the list. Uh, 1859, they were founded and still headquartered in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. 9.65 billion. They kind of just sneak onto this list. I think like you'll often hear big five rather than big six, and when you hear big five they're not including national. And when I say I'm kind of borrowing from a big five or a big bank lender, that's who I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) Now, one thing to keep in mind is all of these banks have mortgage products, but none of these banks are in the mortgage space specifically. Now they all are, but a mortgage agent will have access to multiple of these big banks, different products. Now, Dan, why don't you start us off with the first thing on the list
0: here? Sure, yeah. So you can go get a mortgage pre approval from mortgage lenders and mortgage brokers. So, you know, maybe we'll just go through what that looks like. So mortgage lenders lend money directly to you. And this is all comes from the bank they're from, from the Canadian government website, by the way. So if you want to search it up, just look and I actually find that the they do a pretty good job. I think it's all FISRA stuff, but like their mortgage calculator is pretty good. It's not trying to sell you stuff. You know, It's a paywall there. you have to put your email in, whatever. Um, anyway, mortgage lenders will lend money directly to you. And there's a ton of different types of these lenders, most notably banks, case populaire or credit unions, uh, mortgage companies, insurance companies, life codes, trust companies, loan companies, etc. Different lenders may have different interest rates and conditions for similar products. You talk to as many as you can to make sure you're getting the best mortgage product for your needs. This is says this on the Government of Canada website, shop around, (laughs) do it. A lot of people like to start with the big bank and you're going to get a competitive offer from them, but go and see if there's a better money there because especially in a high rate environment, you can see a difference of 20, 50 bips in rates and that's going to be 20 or $30,000 over the course of your first mortgage term with where prices are right now in Canada. So that's a lot of money, right? Everyone's focused on, oh, am I getting the right price for the house? It's like, well, are you getting the right price on your mortgage? So- I've seen certain non-bank financial institutions or NBFIs like Desjardins or BDC, as an example, have great programs for individuals looking for business funding purchases, as an example, owner-occupied, industrial. They love funding these types of deals. And it's important. So, so like, you have to know, you really got to know what bucket you fit in and what lender and a broker, a good broker, should it be able to help you to do that? Nick, do you know any of those good brokers? Oh, I have to get my Rolodex. I think out you're. Here. I think you're wearing your expert broker shawl right now, aren't you? <laughs> they give you that when you do. Your, your it's first a cape, no, right? yeah. Broker hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's important you're comfortable with the lender and the mortgage options that they offer you right from the start. If you switch lenders after sh- signing your mortgage contract, you may have to pay a prepayment prepayment penalty. Uh, make sure you understand the terms and conditions of your mortgage contract. These are serious contracts. They're big, real debt obligations. Uh, let's talk about number three on the list of most hated professions in Canada right now. Used car salesmen, realtors, and then probably mortgage brokers. No,
1: you don't actually think that we're two of the most hated professions in the country, do you? I know.
0: No, I probably say, I say it jokingly a lot, but I feel like people like really, really rag on realtors in, in Canada. At least in, maybe it's a Toronto thing, but like, People kind of hate the profession right now
1: yeah and and it's it's funny, you know more mortgage agents are, are getting a lot of a lot of heat for for stuff that's completely out of their control. you know, a mortgage broker does not want your variable mortgage to have doubled. That does not do them any favors. They do not make any more money off of that. If anything, they are now just dealing with
0: the stress that you are feeling as their client. So I think that there was like a, probably a period of time in which like there was too, maybe too much confidence behind like the advisory, like the rate advisory world when rates were so low. Um, and like it was like, okay, if these rates are so like, I mean, anybody who didn't lock in like a two and a half percent fixed rate when they had like a 1.5 percent variable rate, like, that sucks, man. Like that's a really, 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 really hard position. And like, so I can understand why a lot of people are angry about that shit, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough, right? Who, who can really forecast this macro environment? Anyway, without further ado, Nick, tell me what mortgage brokers are all about. So a mortgage broker doesn't lend
1: you the money directly. They arrange transactions by finding a lender for you, AKA brokering that deal. Now, some lenders only offer their products directly to borrowers, while some mortgage products are only available through what we call internally as the broker channel. Since brokers have access to many different lenders, they offer a wide range of mortgage products to choose from, whereas going directly to a big bank, you are pigeonholed into the specific offerings of that bank. Now, mortgage brokers don't have access to all the same lenders. This means that mortgage Mortgages available vary from broker to broker. When you're dealing with a mortgage broker, ask which lenders they work with. That should be one of your first questions, entertaining a new broker. Mortgage brokers generally don't charge fees for their service. We work for free. It's great. Instead, they usually receive a commission from the lender when they arrange a transaction. And that is usually about 1% of the loan amount. Now, the provinces and territories regulate mortgage brokers differently, but you can contact them to confirm that a broker is licensed or to make a complaint. And you can get a list of top performing mortgage agents or mortgage brokers uh, from Mortgage Professionals Canada in your area, or you can just reach out to us and we will hook you up with the best person that we have in your area. Now, Dan, what
0: do you need to provide to a lender or or a mortgage broker. So typically you're before pre-approving you know, a lender or mortgage broker is going to look at a lot of your financials and it's going to feel like I mean, you know, probably the only per- other person that you would be sharing this with is your significant other hopefully. I mean, if you have a good open financial relationship with them or or maybe your accountant, right? Or the CRA um so they're going to they're going to look at your assets so what you own they're going to look at your income your level of debt and you'll need to provide the following documentation just and honestly like I know I have literally have all of this cuz we we buy and sell a lot of property right uh, I have all of this in a folder ready to go at all times like it's just you get to the point where if you want to do this at scale you get to develop these efficiencies work with the same broker cuz they also have it in a file on their computer um so you'll provide ID Proof of employment, proof that you can pay the down payment and closing costs, and typically needs to be sitting in an account for a certain amount of time. Information days about is your- usually the standard. Yeah, yeah, I've heard even ni- ninety with some lenders. Yeah, yeah um, various in- information about your other assets, such as car, cottage, or boat. Uh, information about your debts and financial obligations. Proof of employment. You may have to provide a proof of your current salary or hourly pay rate. Position and length of time and employment notices of assessment for CRA for the past two years, especially if you're self-employed, like if you're a realtor or a mortgage professional or something and, you know, where you're self-employed, you'll almost always have to provide an NOA and they'll typically take an average of the last two years of your income because your income will be a little bit more volatile typically if you're self-employed. Uh, your lender or mortgage broker may also ask you for... Recent financial statements from bank accounts or investments. Um, this will help them determine if you have the down payment, but also, you know, if you're collecting rental income, as an example, don't want to see every time that rental income hit your bank account. Your debts or financial obligations may also include your mon- monthly payments for credit card, child support, car loans, lines of credit, student lo- loans, any other debts. So, the key here from my perspective is get in touch with someone and get a pre-approval. That's like really the takeaway step one. This is what you need. This is where you're going to establish a budget. Know how much money you can spend. And you can do that easily if you just email Nick or click the link in our show notes where it says get a pre-approval instantly. It's literally no obligation or it shouldn't be. If your, if your lender is obligating you or your, your mortgage professional is obligating you or trying to take a deposit or something, I'd probably that's a that flag. And it's probably the most add value thing you can Bring to your investment journey as a first step, the right now thing, if, you're, if you haven't been doing this at all. We have agents in every province now on this podcast, coast to coast, and we can make sure to take care of you on the mortgage side of things, wherever you are in Canada. Yeah. Great, great points, Dan. Now, I just wanted to add a
1: few other things that are going to complicate this a little bit, but I feel like this speaks to our audience because I know we have a lot of investors, entrepreneurs, business owners, people with variable income, right? So, Now, I want you to consider a few of these variables here. Are you buying with a partner or a co-signer? Well, if you are, we would need all of that same information that you provided from that other person. Are you purchasing it in a corp? If you are, we would need information on that corp and personal net worth statements and possibly you to guarantee certain things. Are you self-employed? If so, how do you pay yourself? We need to see the business financials and any corporate docs, ownership docs and more. What type of product are you getting? Another thing to consider fixed or variable and what term length and also some random stuff like is the property going to be owner occupied and then even more granular. What is the zoning on the property? We're looking to fund a small deal right now and it's proving difficult because the property even though it has a single family home on it with a workshop, there is a commercial element to it because you have a cell tower that is actually renting space on that which is complicating getting a lender to agree to it. So these are all things investors run into and all things that a good mortgage broker, an investor-focused mortgage broker can help you through.
0: Any comments on that, Dan? No, I mean, you added a lot of great uh, color there to what I had mentioned before and like really more practical stuff, real on the ground stuff, because I'm not a mortgage broker, so I don't know. It's like I see it every day almost, eh?
1: (laughs) Now- Let's talk about a few other things to consider during that pre-approval process. And the pre-approval is the amount, the maximum amount that you can get for a mortgage. Now, it doesn't, again, guarantee that you will get that amount for the mortgage. There can be several things that come into play. You have no idea how often condo fees kill deals. The approved mortgage amount will depend on the value of the property and the amount of your down payment. And those are sliding scales. The more down payment you're able to have, Maybe the higher yield and value gets, obviously, that increases buying power. Now, you can also look at properties in a lower price range so that you don't stretch your budget to its limit, which we have seen backfire for a lot of Canadians, unfortunately. Remember that you'll also need money for both closing costs, moving costs, and just other ongoing
0: maintenance costs. And these three points to me are honestly ridiculously important. So when you think about closing costs, moving costs, and ongoing maintenance of a house, that doesn't show up in like the stress test. This self-stress test is actually more important. And it's. it's I'm glad that it's mentioned. I think one of the big problems we're seeing with people being in financial stress right now is a result of individuals not stress testing themselves and not having a clear picture on homeownership. And the B- B20 stress test, the OSFI stress test is not accounting for inflation in a lot of those costs. I think we have a big you know, a financial education problem in this country as evidenced by the average debt to disposable income being over 180% in Canada. Absolutely I just had to throw some cynicism part. in there. Thank you, big daddy bear. Um, I mean, look, yeah, the
1: financial education piece before we move on is, you know, we you see it all the time, right? Like, why am I learning Pythagorean theorem and not taxes? I don't you know what's was that joke You don't old, triangulate you know. your taxes every, every Pythagorean so theorem season yeah <laughs> um now let's just talk about b20 quickly before we move on for those that aren't familiar or need a little bit of a refresher if you are getting a mortgage then the stress test will be calculated at a qualifying rate which is the higher of the benchmark rate of 5 5.25 Which is, you can't find that rate right now, so. Not really, no. Or the current interest rate
0: plus 2%. So if I'm getting quoted a rate of 5.14 on a current deal, I'm being stress tested though, I need to be able to afford that property as if the interest rate was 7.14%. Exactly, which is kind of wild when you think about it. Yeah, and B20 is very much blamed for the market correction that we saw in Canada in 2017, where prices dropped about 6 to 7% year over year across Canada. And as much as this is crazy, 30 to 40% in the GTA.
1: Yeah, I mean, although it's kind of hard to say that that was exclusively B20 because the NRST or non-resident speculation tax did happen around that same time.
0: Yeah, and the market was clearly in a bubble. It still blows my mind that people are getting on TikTok or were getting on (laughs) TikTok saying the Canadian real estate market only goes up when we literally saw a face-ripping drop in 2017.
1: Got to love TikTok for that, the sheer optimism on TikTok, and that's coming from an optimistic guy. Um, You know, honestly, a a very volatile asset in some Canadian markets, which is a great point to hop on and, and segue into talking about controlling for that volatility by picking the
0: right market. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about picking the right market. So we talk about this a lot on the show and it it is one of the most important components of finding a good deal is picking a market you like and that you believe in and that you understand. I don't want to belabor this too much because we just did an episode on demographics and growth. So we're not going to talk about it market by market. What I do want to do here is actually kind of just give a little bit of a framework of what I look for in a city. And you you can kind of You could create your own framework, your own investment thesis, but these are sort of like the criteria that I would be looking at. And then you can kind of massage your own thesis into place. And if you want a more uh, exhaustive look, check out episode 26, which is how to decide which market to invest in. And there's a link in the show notes as well there. Yeah, we'll be referencing a couple other episodes. So I'll make sure we have those links in the show notes. And
1: here's a little bit of a short list of things that you should be looking at when choosing a market. The first one being demographics, the second being
0: employment, and the third being future growth. And then from there, you need to decide what kind of investor you are before you can determine which of those metrics of demographics, employment, or future growth that you're going to give the most weight to. T- to dive in more, you can check out our episode, Buying a Portfolio Versus Building a Portfolio. Uh, and this is talks about portfolio theory. So are you a growth investor, as an example? Do you care more about equity multiple or capital appreciation or alpha? Then you might be looking at markets that are poised for high growth, usually driven by population increases or increases in income. So you could look at for younger populations or high migration into that area or markets that look low or inefficiently priced. You could do this differentiation by geography or city, or you could do it by asset class. For example, if you feel offices are inefficiently priced or have big upside right now.
1: You could also be a yield investor. Well, you're going to have to look for the highest cash on cash returns in that case, which we're going to get into in step three of this simple breakdown
0: yeah and I think you know the other piece would be like add value investors. do you know how to be creative? do you know how to renovate money in and and you have to think about your outlook too. Canada's economy is ripe for diversification and growth out of desperation. Our economy isn't that diverse right now. Like the fact that we could grow to an exceptionally large podcast being a you know talking about Canadian real estate tells me that our economy really focused on real estate and housing especially. Um, so think about what other industries might be seeing growth or where you're seeing opportunities for growth in, in the future in Canada. Where are we going to see capital invested in, in the Canadian economy as we grow out of the, the recession that's coming and need to diversify our economy away from housing that's getting crushed by interest rates right now basically. So what industries are you bullish on? Are you bullish on commodities? Maybe you want to start looking at the prairies. Are you bullish on mining? Maybe you want to be looking at northern Ontario or Quebec markets. Yeah, great
1: points. And, and I mean, just on the mining piece right there, we did have a request for a, at least an episode segment on Canadian mining towns, which I'm working on as we speak and, and very excited because it's, it's an interesting piece. Um, but let's keep talking about demographic trends. Now, do you think boomers downsizing are the next big opportunity and think that they don't want to own? And when they sell their big houses, maybe they just want to buy condos or rent or be in close proximity to hospitals and healthcare centers. Or do you think that most millennials won't be able to afford ownership and will have to move to the suburbs? If so, then maybe, you know, readjust what you're looking at. What do you think of the work from home? Is there going to be a major return to office and how will that affect the market? And you can make these decisions based off of these
0: factors and create your own investment thesis. And an investment thesis, I'm going to do the dictionary. I, I tried to come up with like a, da- a Dan and Blasphemy. A, but it's not that good. Yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, an investment thesis is a reasoned <laughs> argument for a particular investment th- strategy backs up by research and analysis, guys. It's, it isn't, it, it's not animal spirits. It's not uh, voodoo magic. You got to do your homework here and, and create an investment th- you know, thesis, right? Like PhD students do that stuff. Like Heard your argument in your, in your essays that you're doing in school, do some homework on this stuff. In the financial world, an analyst may prepare a formal document outlining an investment thesis for presentation to potential investors or an investment committee. Imagine that. You actually have to, to really, really put some thought Into this stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I love it This because this goes back to, you know, our meet cute, Dan, where I created uh, an investment package that impressed you so much. You were just like, I have to work with this guy. And look at us now. We just Um,
0: levered up and broed down.
1: (laughs) Now let's move on to the third and final segment of this three piece starter pack, which is finding a property in that market. So you've gotten, you've gotten pre-approved, Uh, which is great. You now know your buying power. Once there, and the reason we didn't put real estate agent in here just yet is because potentially you don't need a real estate agent. You could go do this by yourself. If you want to go start door knocking or, you know, buying off market, you can go do that. You need a pre-approval though, whether it's through a bank or a mortgage broker. So you've done that. You've figured how much money you have to spend. You've chosen your market. Now it's finding
0: that property in that market. Yeah, and this is where the rest of the magic happens. Like you've so you've you've know what your budget is, you know where your market is. The rest of the magic happens on a deal by deal basis. And you'll hear me say this all the time on the podcast good deals are made, they're not found. If it's a good deal to be found, somebody's already found it. So you have to make deals good. Exactly. Dan, you gotta be out there pounding the pavement, looking
1: at properties, submitting offers, negotiating terms, asking for vendor takebacks doing home inspections, getting renovations quoted, talking to contractors, doing market analysis, talking to the city about how many units you can add to a property, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know the list. What if I just started listening to this podcast and I don't actually know the list? Oh, well, I'm very happy you ask. I would recommend go check out episode 20, the six people you need to buy your first investment. Probably want to check out episode seven as well, the 25 point deal checklist, Maybe episode 49 would help. What ROI are you getting in every major city? Episode 46 is a pretty good one, too. Vendor takebacks can make every deal better. And then a very recent one, episode 68, the fastest growing cities in Canada. I mean, if I were you know a new listener, I'd probably go back and check those out. Maybe just check all of them out.
0: Yeah. What do we say? Like hit episode one and then just play it all the way through, right? Um, So... Think about picking a property similar to the last segment that we mentioned on picking a market. Do you want no maintenance? Maybe you should be getting a condo. And yeah, you're going to pay a bit of a premium for that because somebody else is going to be managing it for you. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to have to pay a condo fee, but it probably works out to the same cost, let's say. Do you want upside to renovate cosmetics into a house that already has good bones as you hear in the market. Maybe you want a wartime bungalow that you can add a basement suite and some makeup to and you've built in some equity and you've increased the revenue of the property. Do you want a complete overhaul and basically rebuild something for max equity lift or you want something that no bank will lend on so you can go get a vendor (laughs) take back from the seller because nobody in their right mind is going to lend money on that property except the seller of the property. Maybe because you can't even get, maybe you personally can't get traditional credit yet. So you're targeting properties that traditional credit isn't an advantage on, that don't apply to traditional credit anyway. Maybe a total gut job or a teardown property. That's what you'd be looking for. And we've seen credit tighten
1: quite a bit. Everything from the A lenders all the way down to the private sector have, have gotten a lot tighter right now. Obviously with, you know, the rising rate environment that we have found. And, and, you know, you can reach out to, to me for a mortgage pre-approval or you can reach out to us to help you pick some properties and, and we'll connect you with a realtor in the area. We have experienced investment agents in every major market across the country and we are here to serve you. Our listeners, we would be nothing without you. And this is the whole point of this podcast is to build community. So just send us an email with your criteria and we will introduce you. We'll hop on a call. We'll start to get you on some email
0: drop lists. Yeah, for sure. Like, Give us an idea of what city you want to be in, price, what return metrics. Give us like a a really quick rundown on what type of property that you want to buy. And we will literally get it in front of the, you know, like a lot of our listeners are realtors in Saskatoon, realtors in Calgary, as an example. So, we we want to connect our listeners with one another. So, send us a list of exactly what type of product you're looking for. We'll, we'll make sure you're introduced to the right other listener to do deals with. Man, if only I had a community like this when I started a couple of
1: years ago. I... I have some closing remarks here, Dan. Anything to finish off this
0: episode before I dive into these closing no, statements? I, I, I always love when you f- drive us home with a nice little like Coach Carter <laughs> monologue or whatever. So, I'm excited here. And, and you know, like I think it was a really good, simple but exhaustive episode. And, and really back to basics is one of the things that's like we're kind of getting into the point in the market where there's a little bit of opportunity starting to show itself. You know, some markets are behaving like almost like a little bit. Uh, dead cat bouncy or bull trappy or maybe even bullish. I'm personally not bullish, but I think that they, we're seeing cyclicality again. The spring market is here. Toronto prices are up. Prices are up in some other markets. You know, people are back out, like looking at you know transacting properties. So anyway, I, I think it's it's worth revisiting the fundamentals to go into the these these new phenomena that are happening in the market with a, a clear set of eyes, right? And not rose-colored, not rose-colored glasses, as an example. So anyway, drive it home there, Coach Carter, <laughs> with your robe. I still can't believe this shawl. It's beautiful. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Nick right now. Now, remember the first property is just your
1: way in. It's the first step. And the reason I'm saying this is this episode is all about getting that first property. And it's usually the hardest one, but that difficulty can be overcome with the right people around you. Remember, it's who, not how. Also, as investors and or entrepreneurs, a lot of us have grand ambitions. I know I do and did. Now we want big door counts. We want to buy land and develop it, build a portfolio of sexy Airbnb cottages or large multifamily cash producing assets. Well, good news. That's all possible, but all in good time. And it all starts with that first deal, then the second deal, then the fifth, then the 20th. So follow the fundamentals and remember that real estate is a long term play, that anyone can be a part of it. Anyone can find success as you can just figure out how to not only add value to your properties, but add value to the people around you over the long term. And be careful with leverage. And be careful with leverage. Thank you, Assistant Coach Carter. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode and got value from it. Reach out to us with any questions, concerns, or episode ideas. And if you haven't already, go rate us five stars. It really means a lot to us. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Centre and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037.
0: Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.